Chapter forty five of Just as I Am. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Just as I Am by Mary Elizabeth Braddon. Chapter forty five. What is the key to the enigma? There was some trepidation in Clementine's breast when she returned to the drawing room after dressing for dinner and found Dora Blake sitting at her favourite window reading the morning paper, while Morton walked up and down the open space on the other side of the room. "'Well, Auntie dear, did you enjoy your day with the old fogies at Highclere?' inquired Tiny, with an attempt at her accustomed sprightliness. "'I always enjoy myself with old friends,' answered Miss Blake. "'Oh, you're such a devoted old dear. I find Sir Nathaniel dreadfully heavy in hand.' "'What's become of Lizzie?' asked Miss Blake. I went to her room just now and found it empty. Is she out? Oh, hardly in such weather as this, I should think, said Morton. Paragon is in his stable and ready to kick it to pieces in his exuberant freshness. I've just been offering him the consolation of a bunch of clover. Then where can she be? exclaimed Miss Blake wonderingly. The gong will sound in a minute, and she's always a pattern of punctuality. The gong sounded almost immediately but Miss Hardman did not appear. Clementine felt herself turning pale. Horatia reared her head, ready for a fight. Both felt that a crisis was at hand. As they crossed the hall to the dining-room, Andrew slid up to Aunt Dora with a secret insinuating air, and offered her a letter on a salver. "'Good heavens!' she exclaimed. "'It's from Lizzie. Whatever can the girl mean by writing to me? Is Miss Hardman upstairs?' "'No, ma'am. She went out two hours ago.' "'On foot? And in such weather?' "'She had her waterproof, ma'am, and a handbag.' "'A bag? Where could she be going? Some sick person must have sent for her,' said Miss Blake, opening the letter. "'My dearest friend, forgive me for taking a step which I feel unavoidable. I am obliged to leave Tangley and for ever.' Pray do not suppose that my love for you is one I owe to the less, because I feel myself compelled to live the rest of my life away from you. I shall never forget your goodness, and I hope you will let me see you as often as we can meet, without inflicting trouble upon you or humiliation upon me. When I can think and write more calmly, I will try to explain my conduct, but I cannot now. I feel that you will trust me well enough to be sure I shall do nothing wrong and nothing foolish. I am going to find a home among respectable working people, the only kind of home to which I am entitled. I have one favour to ask you, and that is to tell no one at Tangley the contents of this letter. You are always loving, always grateful, Lizzie. They had all seated themselves at the dinner-table before Aunt Dora opened her letter, and every eye had been upon her as she read. Her face was clouded over with a look of the deepest displeasure before she came to the bottom of the page, but she said never a word, and put the letter quietly in her pocket, as if there were nothing particular in the communication. Morton said grace, and began to dispense the soup. "'And pray, how does Lizzie explain her mysterious disappearance?' he asked carelessly. The indifference of his tone was reassuring to his sisters, who had been goaded to desperation by the idea that he was really falling in love with their aunt's protégé. Quite satisfactorily, she's gone to see some of her Blackford friends. "'On foot, with a handbag, and at a moment's notice!' exclaimed Morton. 
what in heaven's name could have induced her to behave in such a way no doubt there was a good reason for her conduct she is not a person to act upon a foolish impulse her letter is too hurried to explain her motives but i feel sure that what she has done was wisely done i've a good mind to go after her directly i've dined and see what it all means said morton with a great deal more concern than his sisters liked what's her address in blackford she has not given me any address replied aunt dora quietly no address no explanation the thing is incredible she promises to write me a full account of her movements shortly pray don't flurry yourself morton lizzie is a thoroughly sensible girl and knows how to take care of herself if she were as wise as minerva i should still say that she acted foolishly to-day replied morton staring blankly at a dish of salmon cutlets without the least idea that andrew was waiting for him to distribute them why could she not consult me or you before she went off to these unknown relations why could she not drive to the station imagine her tramping to highclere through the mud and rain with a bag on her arm it's too absurd if you don't mean to eat any dinner yourself morton you may at least let us get on with ours said horatia with subdued displeasure she was a young lady never wanting in the courage of her opinions she was prepared to defend her treatment of miss hardman should she be called upon to do so the dinner proceeded but in a very uncomfortable manner andrew the butler was one of those old servants who know the family affairs almost better than the family themselves know them his subordinate was his nephew an honest rustic supposed to have no more comprehension of or interest in passing events than if he had been a cellaret or a plate-warmer so there was no restraint upon conversation on account of the presence of these two yet conversation flagged woefully aunt dora looked pale and unhappy and could hardly eat anything the two girls indulged in brief spurts of unnatural vivacity morton was obviously out of temper he neither ate nor drank but vented his ill-humour in abuse of the dinner veal again he ejaculated savagely duck none for me hideously indigestible what can vicars mean by ducks and veal is she going out of her mind i cannot understand her conduct did she go by the omnibus do you think are you talking of the cook or of lizzie asked horatia lizzie of course she must have caught the osthorpe bus at the crossroads silly girl as if she couldn't have gone in the brougham she might not wish to appropriate all the carriages said tiny spitefully and to leave no address how are we to send her letters or her luggage she must have been beside herself when she went auntie can you offer any explanation of her conduct i don't think we need discuss it at this moment answered miss blake quietly feeling that this one particular subject should be kept sacred even from the confidential andrew morton pished and pshawed and flung himself back in his chair turning a stony eye upon the tart and pudding which were offered him and refusing to be comforted with salad or cheese straws clementine nibbled her cheese straw and trifled with her glass of claret just as if dinner were going on in the most cheerful manner and to morton's impatience it seemed an hour or so before andrew had solemnly scraped up the last crumb in his silver shovel and had reconciled his mind to the necessity of leaving the room 
At last, however, he was gone, and the family were alone at the festive board, where the decanters and Derby fruit dishes reflected themselves in the shining oak, just as they had done when Geoffrey Blake first dined in his new house. Morton leant with folded arms on the table, and looked straight at his aunt. Now, he said decidedly, the servants are gone, and we can have this matter out. What is the key to the enigma? Lizzie would never dream of leaving this house in such a manner without some powerful motive. What is that motive? Has she been summoned away to some relative's deathbed? Has she been called away to nurse someone? Her letter does not say so. What other reason can she possibly have? Please let me see her letter. I don't think I should be justified in showing you the letter. It is written hurriedly and with evident agitation, and was intended for my eyes alone. Do you think I shall find fault with the spelling, or because the eyes are not dotted? asked Morton, with an angry laugh. I have a right to see that letter. I really cannot recognise that right, Morton, answered Dora Blake, with just the faintest ray of pleasure in her countenance, which till this moment had been full of care. Lizzie is all the world to me, but she can be very little to you, although you have been good enough to give her the shelter of your roof, just as you would have done had she been a pet dog of mine. "'What nonsense you talk!' cried Morton, jumping up from his chair. "'I have no patience with such absurdity. She is a great deal to me. My adopted sister, my companion, my true and faithful friend. Very little to me, indeed.' Why, she's been my right hand for the last three months. I shall hardly know what to do with myself without her. Tiny and Horatia looked at each other across the table, the elder red and the younger pale with vexation. Their worst fears were confirmed. That ridiculous gift of cob and carriage was only the forerunner of other more fateful offerings. Their brother's heart, hand and fortune. Horatia took up the gauntlet. One might think you might contrive to exist without an adopted sister, when Providence has blessed you with two actual sisters, who are just sufficiently well educated to read aloud and write from dictation, she said with an injured air. But neither of which sisters would put herself out of the way for the space of one summer morning to oblige me, answered Morton. Because a real sister has no motive for such toad-eating, cried Clementine, bristling with offended dignity, because a real sister has no end to gain by flattery and civility. I dare say if I were a penniless dependent like Lizzie Hardman, I might be capable of just as much meanness in the hope of getting a rich husband, though I'm sure I should hate myself for it. Morton's eyes flashed honest indignation at his sister as he listened to her viperish speech. "'I think I can understand now why Lizzie went off all in a hurry,' he exclaimed. "'The letter, please, Aunt Dora.' He had walked round the table, and was standing by his aunt's side, holding out his hand for the letter with an authoritative air. She gave it him without a word. "'There is not a syllable about a summons from her Blackford friends,' he said when he had slowly read the letter. "'And she talks about leaving Tangley for ever.' She could only have come to such a decision because she was wretched here, and a week ago she was the gayest and brightest of us all, full of life and spirits as happy as the day was long. Had she any quarrel with you, auntie? Quarrel with me? Why, the dear child never displeased me in her life. 
she is all that is good and yet she deserts you at a moment's notice that seems extraordinary but i think your sisters may be able to explain it said dora i think so too said morton glancing angrily at clementine i left you both in the drawing-room with lizzie after luncheon you must know what put into her head to go off in this way i only know that she got into a furious passion at something that horry or i said to her mere chaff and bounced out of the room like a termagant answered tiny with an innocent air she is usually so good-tempered surely chaff as you elegantly call it could never have provoked her into leaving aunt dora oh she's very sweet-tempered to you said horatia but she is not quite so amiable to us how dare you say anything so unjust and untrue horatia exclaimed miss blake i know how lizzie has borne with you both oh then there has been need of forbearance on lizzie's part morton inquired determined to sift this social mystery to the bottom i know that lizzie has been made to feel her dependent position here ever since she was old enough to be sensitive said aunt dora then my sisters have been very despicable cried morton indignantly dependent indeed when she has been the most valuable person in the house after you aunt dora valuable in the house and out of it the mainspring of other people's comfort and that she should be tyrannised over by two young ladies who have not an unselfish thought whose rule of life is the indulgence of their own whims it is shameful and i am ashamed of having such sisters the two girls rose simultaneously as if they had been moved by the same clockwork i think it is we who ought to have gone away exclaimed horatia evidently we are not wanted here and the sooner we find another home the better it is fortunate for us that papa has left us incomes which at least make us independent i suppose even we may be allowed the use of the brougham to drive us to highclere to-morrow morning you can make fools of yourselves in any manner most agreeable to you answered morton coolly as he went out through one of the french windows that opened on to the lawn he had never been more angry he had hardly ever been more agitated his sense of right and justice was outraged by the thing that had been done it galled him to think that he had two such vulgar young women for his sisters i suppose it is an innate caddishness which must come out somewhere he said to himself in bitterness of spirit the taint of the gutter the original sin of low birth and then he thought of lizzie his faithful nurse his sympathising companion the only woman who had entered into all his plans and understood his views dulcie had been very fond of him as a lover but she had not cared a jot about him as a political economist cultured and well-read as she was in the whole range of elegant and imaginative literature she was horribly uninformed about the needs and the sufferings of mankind the government of the land in which she lived she considered political economy as a dry-as-dust something outside the circle of her life and thoughts like logarithms or sanskrit and she had always yawned a little when her lover expounded his philanthropic theories lizzie had shown herself so intelligent not pretending an interest but really feeling it helping him with ideas as well as with sympathy telling him without scruple the weak points in his schemes the flaws in his arguments she had forced him to respect her as well as be grateful to her 
and now she had been driven out of his house goaded to desperation by the malicious speech of two unmannerly girls so great a wrong was not to be permitted it must be set right somehow and immediately he roamed about the garden for half an hour feeling that he could hardly endure existence in the house that held his vixenish sisters and he wasted half an hour in the stable devoting the greater part of the time to fondling the cob who had been bedded down for the night and stood up to his knees in golden straw it was striking nine when morton went slowly back to the house where the lamps had only just been taken into the sitting-rooms he did not go to the drawing-room but to his aunt dora's room feeling that she was likely to prefer solitude to the society of her nieces his instinct had not misled him miss blake was at her davenport writing in the soft light of her shaded lamp auntie what are you going to do about lizzie asked morton seating himself near his aunt and coming to the point at once i am at this moment writing to her uncle joseph hardman i fancy she must have gone to his house i can think of no other place to which she could go what is joseph hardman a mechanic he is employed at a foundry i believe lizzie's two sisters were brought up by his wife and her brother lives with his uncle too i believe that lizzie in her quiet unobtrusive way has always been very good to her uncle and his wife as well as to her brother and sisters morton looked at his watch it would be too late to telegraph even if i were to ride to highclere on the fastest horse in the stable he said with a sigh ever so much too late but the letter will do as well as a telegram there's no need for desperate hurry lizzie is such a thoroughly sensible girl that she is sure to manage her life properly even away from us but there is need for hurry cried morton impetuously she must not think that you and i consent to her leaving tangley not for a day not for an hour longer than can be helped she must not be allowed to suppose that she has been turned out of doors my poor lizzie the gentlest most self-denying creature he was almost unmanned at the thought of how badly she had been treated and his eyes were moist as he started up from his chair and began to pace the room have you the remotest notion of what it is my sisters dislike in her or why they've treated her so infamously he asked presently infamously is rather too strong a word said his aunt smiling at his vehemence they've never been particularly kind to her and they've always taken pains to let her feel the distinction between her position and their own in spite of all i could do to bring them up on a perfectly equal footing perhaps they've resented my affection for her though heaven knows my heart is big enough to hold all three since your illness i think they have been inclined to be jealous of your regard for her and to fancy that you prefer her to them i do infinitely said morton she is worth a shipload of such girls she's one in a thousand next to dulcie she is the sweetest woman i ever met but why should they be jealous of a girl whom i regard as an adopted sister miss blake's heart which had glowed with triumph at the beginning of morton's speech was somewhat chilled by the conclusion well your gift of the carriage she began oh surely they're not mean enough to grudge her that i remember clementine went on about the cob in a very ridiculous way but i thought that was only her fun i fancy it was just such fun as that which drove lizzie out of the house 
a high-spirited sensitive girl would hardly stay in any man's house if she were accused of setting her cap at him answered aunt dora with eyes bent watchfully on her nephew's perturbed countenance setting her cap at me too ridiculous ejaculated morton why everybody who knows anything about me must know that i've done with all matrimonial schemes that courtship and marriage are a closed volume in the book of my life a young man does sometimes once in a century or so get cured of such a sorrow as yours morton and find perfect happiness where he least thought to win it i am not that kind of man and lizzie knows it i've talked more freely to her than to anyone else i've treated her more like a brother than a sister it's utterly shameful and wicked if those girls have teased her with insinuations of that kind there's not the slightest ground for them either in her conduct or mine oh, i know that admitted aunt dora meekly however i shall go to blackford to-morrow and find out this joseph hardman's house and bring lizzie home with me don't you think that by such an act you might give your sisters some ground for their suspicions asked his aunt what do i care for their suspicions or might you not even compromise lizzie in the minds of other people you know your own feelings and that she can never be more to you than an adopted sister but other people will insist upon having their own ideas and on disseminating them had you not better let me fetch lizzie from blackford oh yes that would be better lizzie would like that better no doubt i had that plan in my mind when i came in just now if you will go to-morrow dearest auntie and insist on her coming home with you immediately i shall be eternally grateful he gave his aunt a most affectionate hug by way of earnest my dear morton there's no occasion for gratitude she said smiling up at him in the lamplight i'm much more anxious to have lizzie home than you can possibly be it is very kind of you to be so warmly interested in her welfare well i should be a brute if i could feel less warmly after all her goodness to me replied morton End of chapter forty five